Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another rip-roaring, fantastic episode of Half Ash. This is the 60th time we've been on the air. Actually, 61st, if you include 17B. And I am Craig Schneider. He is Kit Fisher, and we are happy to be here spending another Friday night together. How are you, my man? I'm just ecstatic. I mean, I'm so excited to be here. I could just wet my pants, but I won't. Well, I'll tell you what, if you actually sounded excited and were excited, I think the world might end. This is me excited. <laughs> Isn't there like a Bill Murray skit there when he says, this is my excited face? <laughs> this is my angry face. I think there's something like that or some movie. I, I got to remember that. You know, I take so much flack and crap over my enthusiasm level, but it's just me, man. I'm kind of a laid back guy. Uh, well, either way, I like hanging out with you, so I guess it's even worse if people choose to spend time with you. Then, you know, you got nothing to do about it. It's just who you are. We like yeah. spending time with you. Yeah, they're just stuck. Yeah, we're just stuck. Uh, well, how are you? Did you have a nice week? I did. It uh, actually went by really quick. It seems like we just recorded yesterday. It's so funny how that is, how... The, the only real constant in our lives can feel so irregular sometimes. Are we still talking about the show? <laughs> I'm talking about time. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know if you're talking about your regularity or what. <laughs> uh, you never know what you're going to get on Half-Ashed, folks. <laughs> well, how about yourself? What kind of week do you have? I've been very regular this week, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> I wasn't, but I'll, I guess I'll take it. <laughs> I am fan freaking tastic. I totally agree that that this week flew by for me. On on Thursday, yeah, Thursday morning. I thought it was Tuesday, and it always is the other way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I thought, oh, I got three days left in the week after today. I got plenty of time to get everything done. Before I knew it, it was noon on Thursday, and I was uh, planning the weekend. So. It's just crazy how how uh, that can get the better of you. But not that it was anything bad with any of that. It's just uh, you know nice to be here on a Friday night, and it's nice when the week goes by quickly, and I can get to Friday night faster. Exactly. Highlight of my week, man. Mm. Same here. You want to know what isn't the highlight of my week? When I can't cut my dang cigar because of the crappy cutters I use. Hey, you know what? I can send you a good cutter. Even. No, I I gotta buy myself a Palio again. I, I've gone through like three or four of them, and I just keep losing them. I can just send you my broken one. You can send it back for a replacement. Seriously? Yeah, do that. Yeah, I just gotta find it. I know it's around here somewhere. Uh, although I kind of feel like a heel. You should do that. That's a darn good cutter, man. Yeah, maybe I'll do that before we move to the Dominican. That would be a smart move. Yeah. Not exactly a local brick and mortar to just stop at down there. Well, there are a few. It's just not exactly a time I'm going to have much budget for cigars. <laughs> so well. It doesn't really matter how many shops are around. But hey, yeah, speak, that's a good point. Speaking of that, uh, just a quick update. I am now 15% of the way to the first year's support for this deal. That is uh, amazing. Thanks in part to some of the listeners of the show. So uh, thanks again, guys. Much appreciated. And I, and 
I know the guys in the chat room last week were organi- organizing something else that has now begun to manifest itself, which I think that is, is correct. Freaking awesome! I, I gotta say, I mean, as a as a bystander, you know, uh, while the show was going on, as a bystander to all that action, but since I've become uh, an involved party, that's really a blast. The guys in our chat room, I think we've talked about this a few times over the last month or so, but. Man, they have such a good time. I'm not sure if they have a better time on Friday nights just talking to each other or listening to us. But either way, I, you know, they tune in to get entertainment uh, listening to the show. But I feel like I tune in to get entertainment reading what they're talking about. Oh, I completely agree. I'm not so sure their level of entertainment isn't inversely proportional to how much attention they're paying to us. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, when we used to have the uh, the good old dog watch days, the chat room on dog watch. Anytime I'd participate, I'd have to download the show and listen to it as well. <laughs> there was no way I knew what the hell was going on. Yep. And, and yep, I've been in the same boat. The dog watching here now, both times I can get distracted and be paying attention to the chat room, and suddenly I'm supposed to be talking and have no clue what I should be saying. <laughs> we know. Yeah, I know, I know. It'll, it'll likely happen again tonight. Well, that's all right. So what are we what are we uh, smoking this week? We have we have a grand finale tonight. A very special yeah. show. Mm-hmm. It is the the final episode, the sixth installment, uh, sixth smoking installment of our Oliva Siri V Maduro vertical tasting that we've done over the last month. Yes. We will we will be smoking the the latest and. Uh, uh, Really, completely unknown to me, the only completely unknown to me version of these Series Vs, the 2013 release from uh, holiday season this past year. Yep, exactly. And these actually came out a little bit earlier this year. They were out like mid-November, if I recall correctly, rather than December. Well, I am taking some quick readings right now. It's a different Vertola than normal. Looks like it's just under 5 inches. And a little bit larger. Is this a 54 or 52? I'm going to say 54. That is the published size, 5 inches by 54 ring. And uh, a beautiful, slightly stubby version. A good eighth to three sixteenths of an inch shorter than 5 inches. And that's even accounting for the uh, what I trimmed off the cap. Really? No, mine is dead on, dead nuts. Hmm. Let's see if I can... Let the chat room see that to know that I'm not lying. Now I've lit it so it's slightly short from lighting it, but uh, they have no idea where you're holding the other end of that. I mean, I can hold <laughs> five inches here just as well. <laughs> Man, they jit me! Look, it's only four and a half or three and a half inches. No, I'm teasing. This is this is just a uh, I don't know cold weather shrinkage, I guess. <laughs> there's a there's a Seinfeld joke in there somewhere. Yeah. Mm. Well, these, as Craig mentioned, are five by fifty four ish, um, and it is the fourth year in a row that um, Oliva went with a Mexican San Andres wrapper over the uh, original. What do these have on them? They had a, a broadleaf wrapper on them. Connecticut broadleaf originally. No, I thought it was a, an Ecuadorian Habano Maduro. Well, then we'll go with that, because your memory is way the heck better than mine, being nearly a decade younger. 
Although, uh, hmm. Although now that you mention it, broadleaf does sound familiar. I remember oh, thinking that I didn't get a lot of that broadleaf flavor out of it. Hmm. Maybe it is broadleaf. We might need to check into that. Yeah, I'll just don't do just that. Meanwhile, the uh, as we said, these came out late in the year. Uh, it's an annual release. Typical release is about fifty thousand. Um, although this year they bumped that up a, a, a notch, and it seems like there were about 80,000 of them made. Uh, come in boxes of 10. MSRP is somewhere about 80 bucks for a box. Um, and I am looking, and you know what? 2008 was a Connecticut broadleaf. 2009 was Nicaraguan Habano. Well, I was wrong on it being Ecuadorian. There you go. Um, that is all the details we have, except I love the crap out of these cigars. Uh, and we were talking a little bit bef- about them before the show started. And I said probably 2009, which was the year they switched to the uh, Nicaraguan Habano wrapper, would be my favorite overall of all of them. Uh, but I didn't fall deeply in love with them until a couple of years later. And I dig them. I buy them every year, and I say, you know what, I'm going to buy extra this year. I'm going to set them aside and slowly meter them out, and then along comes March, and they're all gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, uh, you have a tendency to do that. I asked you if you had any more of the – what did I ask you? I think I asked you if you had any more of the 2011s because you had commented about how you heavily stocked up on those. And you said, oh, I did in – March of 2012. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I think I still have a few 2010s, and, and that and the 2013s is, I believe, all I have left at this point. You know, looking for this 2013, we were going to do it, I think, two weeks ago, if I recall correctly. Um, and uh, I stopped in a number of shops around here. And no one had the 2013 Maduros, but which is funny because production was higher. But two of the three or two of the four shops that I stopped in still had the 2010, which I thought was interesting. I didn't know if that production was higher or, or not, or it was just a plum coincidence. Yeah, I think it must be a coincidence. I don't recall the production varying too much. Um, I do remember maybe one year it was a little short at like 35,000, but I believe mm. 50 has pretty much been the the standard for most years. Hmm. Well, either way, we're uh, busting into this cigar a little bit. We've got an idea of what to expect. Um, You a little more so than I, since you've smoked a number of these uh, prior to the show, but I'm a newbie to this one. You are getting uh, an on-the-fly review. I have not even had my second sample yet. I feel like a delinquent, but... uh, I'll do my best. Hopefully uh, my review is representing some sort of consistency, although I won't be able to say that for sure. Yeah, I've uh, smoked a good number of these already. As <laughs> I'm following my normal routine. and uh, So I was smoking a different cigar immediately before the show, something I would not normally do if I was having something for the first time. But knowing that I know this cigar pretty well, I had a... The Crowned Heads Four Kicks Corona Gorda, just literally seconds before I laid it down to light this cigar. And i got to say, it made 
a pretty radical uh, uh, impact on how this cigar starts out. It's, mm. I guess my palate has adjusted somewhat back to the norm, but when I first lit this thing, it was just over-the-top savory, mouth-watering, acidic kind of smoke, and that that was foreign to me. I don't I don't normally get that uh, right off the bat with them. It's kind of interesting because that is absolutely my experience right now. This is totally savory and and meaty, um, which I mean, just without question, it has that kind of meaty, woody flavor that I'll get sometimes out of uh, jalapeno tobacco and cigars that that have generally uh, harder, darker characteristics to them. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Well, interesting. We uh, we do have. Obviously, lots more to say about the stick as we go on through the show. We'll uh, provide some regular tasting notes, and then once we're getting towards the end here, we'll obviously do a little bit of a, an overall vertical wrap-up where we talk about all six of these cigars, maybe even venture to uh, give you our favorite and our least favorite, which is inevitably going to be entertaining because I have a feeling I, I know what those results are going to be, and it's going to have a little bit of controversy behind it. So stay tuned for that, but uh, before we get into our regular info, our news and the like, we've, we do want to talk a little bit about how our website is updated, and we've kind of uh, modified and spruced up the forum. Yeah, not just the forum, but the site as a whole. We did a uh, minor over overhaul with just some basically aesthetic changes, some rearrangement of where things are, moving you know, some widgets and menu bars and whatnot, and changing the coloration away from the uh, bright white, uh, hard-to-read, hard-on-the-eyes background to maybe a little little bit uh, more mellow tone. And actually, it's kind of gray, and I'm not, not especially bought into the gray yet, but it's better than the white, so we'll go with it till something better comes along. But also, we just wanted to uh, throw this out because there were a few folks that were using this pretty regularly for a while, and... And I have to just fess up that I was not as involved as I should have been. And that's the forum on halfash.com. Um, just wanted to uh, kind of remind everybody that's there. It's kind of a great way to communicate with us and post uh, your own reviews or what your thoughts are about a cigar or give us some recommendations, something you'd like to see on the show, like for us to do on the show or to smoke. Or, and, and in fact, I was just sharing with Craig beforehand that um, I have a cigar lined up now. Uh, as soon as I get my hands on it, to pass along to him to do as a show cigar that was from a recommendation on the the forum. It's something that really uh, sounds intriguing to me. So mm -hmm. the forum <clears throat> got a bigger overhaul. It's a same software, but a much newer, updated version. A little more appealing to the eye, but if you're using Tapatalk on your phone, uh, that will make no difference. However, Tapatalk is now installed, and so I know a lot of people use that on their phone. I do. Uh, you can now can access the forum through that directly on your phone, get push notifications if you want them, uh, the whole deal, and just keep up with all the posts there. And I, and I imagine if uh, I have any sense at all, I will follow up on this and, and be a little more consistent and um, conscientious to keep the notes, maybe not the notes, maybe keep the, the gen general plans of what's coming up and coming down the pike and scheduling and that kind of thing all up to date and posted on the forum. 
And of course, you can get there uh, at halfash.com. There's uh, a, a button in the menu bar across the top of the page that just says forum or half-ash forum, something like that. I don't have the page up in front of me. And then over on the, uh, it just says forum. I do have it up now. On the right-hand column in the darker area where the widgets are and some links off-site and whatnot, there's a, a button that says visit the half-ash forum. You can follow that, and it'll take you there. and Set yourself up with a profile, and uh, assuming you click the link and validate it when you get the email asking if that's really you, you can be a member of the forum as well. Well, I am ultra excited about the Tapa Talk. Um, it, it, well, I, I lead a life on the go at my job. I don't really sit at my desk on a regular basis. So the fact that I can kind of stay connected and um, uh, at a moment's notice be able to know what the heck is going on, that will make it much easier for me to participate as well, which is one of the big things that uh, – that I'm excited about and looking forward to. So when we started Half-Ashed a year plus ago, we really talked a lot about, uh, well, we really filled out a lot about um, true cigar reviews. We wrote reviews based on the cigars that each other had recommended to us. So once a month or so, we'd sit down, take the time, write something up, and post it on the Cigar Me. And now that we're just sending the second round of all those uh, back and forth to each other might not be a bad idea to get that going again, and I think the forum would be a great place to get those posted up as well. Yep, so. exactly, and that actually doing it there would allow any of uh, any of the forum members to post their own thoughts or reviews about the same cigar. It's kind of a, a neat way to have some interaction that's a little better than just the comments at the bottom of a blog post. I absolutely agree. Instead of, you know, necessarily smoking along with us like some shows uh, uh, often advertise as being something you can do, um, I really think that that idea of kind of the after hours of the show on the forum talking about it there, uh, so you can smoke it on your own leisure, whether that's while listening to the show when it's a recording um, or, you know, just after hours, you have it whenever throughout the week. You light a cigar and you have it at three different occasions when you're driving or something like that. Tell us about it later. We want to know. It would be a really interesting way to kind of do one of my favorite things, which is to review a cigar in tandem or in a group of people. I think it really allows you to, you know, kind of have have that uh, collective experience that's pretty fun to, to uh, dive into if you've never done it before. Yeah, I think it, it takes the uh, chat room and expands it so that folks that maybe can't catch a show can still you know, have some uh, maybe a little more interaction than just an email here and there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No doubt. I see uh, Handex in the chat room was said he was wondering if we were going to feature an Ascensia on the show, and we did that, I think, last year. Didn't we do the E? The we did e. do the E. That's right. I yeah. think... Uh, I'm wondering if an Essentia might be a reference to one of the comments or one of the questions that was asked of us previously. <laughs> I think the fact that we are not seeing all the same shops carrying Torano, Essentia, Palio at the same time in the same place maybe answers this question. It may just be. But either way, the Essentia is one of my absolute favorite cigars and 
if I had a shop around me locally that would carry them, I would have them on a more regular basis and probably have them as one of our cigars of the week because I love them that much. But uh, maybe if I can get my hands on them in the next couple of days, I might send it off. But I think I only have one single left. The Essentias? Of the Essentias, correct. Uh, I believe I can get the E. Hmm. I'm talking about the original, the 2008 Essentia release. Yeah, I can't get those. I had a local shop that had the, just the E's, and to be honest, last time I was there, I didn't see them, but I thought maybe they would have them again at some point. Hmm. Well, I uh, I have to say, before we head into the news, I'm a quarter inch, three-eighths of an inch into this V. It has drastically changed. There's much more of a softer side to it. I won't necessarily say sweet, but maybe maybe kind of a, a I don't know, a salted caramel with some sort of like a, a fatty, nutty flavor. Yeah. I've had hazelnuts a couple times this week, and that's kind of sticking out in my mind. Uh, I had mm. some terrible hazelnut coffee this week, but... That's beside the point. I know what you're saying. It, it, I am noticing, and I, I don't know if it's the, uh, the effect of that crowned heads or that four kicks beforehand or what, but this one is much softer than what I'm used to. It, it's, it's not. There's not really much spice at all through the nose right now, and uh, you know I'm used to at least a little bit from these cigars. Hmm. Sorry, I'm responding to the chat room right now. Okay, well, what do you think? Maybe it's, uh, what do you think? Maybe that makes no sense. What do you think if we jump <laughs> over to some news? Mm. I think that's a fantastic idea. I am really looking forward to talking about them this week. I think we're going to have a fun little conversation about one of these bad boys. I do, too. Uh, first up on the list, there was an... Uh, article published this week by Cigar Aficionado, and of course, I don't know how many mostly Nicaraguan makers posted links to this thing all over Facebook, you know, and and uh, and so I went and read it, and and apparently 2013 was a booming year for our cigar market here in the United States. Um, we made the biggest jump in 15 years in the the number of imports. And almost every last drop of the growth was Nicaraguan imports. Um, the Dominican Republic is still the leader in terms of number of cigars. At just over 133 million cigars imported uh, remain basically the same. It dropped less than a percent, a little over half a percent. But the big news story is Nicaragua. Nicaragua jumped from 103 to almost 119 million. It's a little over 15% increase in one year. And after all this time, I don't know how many years, maybe a couple of decades even, the Dominican's been the, the clear leader without any really close competition. Uh, Nicaragua suddenly jumped into contention, and, and the, the thinking is if, if this trend continues just another year or so, uh, Nicaragua's going to surpass them, at least in terms of numbers of cigars imported into the country. I thought that was pretty interesting. Oh man, there's no doubt about the fact that it is. I, I'm also struck by this of how um, Honduras has taken just a huge, well, I'll say huge in that it's 
the fact it was trending to increase the amount of cigars imported into the United States, that trend stopped and it actually dropped by 3% between 12 and 13. That's very surprising to me. Yeah, it did, and I, I don't have the past numbers to compare. Actually, I do back through 2010. Um, you know, we were still seeing some growth, I guess some growth up through 2012 and a little bit of a drop-off. But I think historically, if you go back 10 or 12 years, Honduras seemed to be much more of a player at the time. Uh, without question. Uh, I think the perhaps not the numbers, obviously, but... Um, I think the the ratio of cigars imported into the country was pretty much switched between Nicaragua and Honduras. Honduras was almost twice the importer of cigars that Nicaragua was. Yeah. And the exporter of cigars, pardon me. And do you think maybe that's just the, the number of cigar makers that have crossed the border from Honduras to Nicaragua run to Esteli? Oh, I think without question that makes a lot of sense. Um you know, you look at back in 2010, as far as this cigar aficionado's documentation goes, um, you're looking at about 140 million cigars. So that's just three plus years ago. And in 2013, and that's between Nicaragua and Honduras that are imported into the U.S. And in 2013, that number's over 180 million. So, I, I mean, there's been an incredible increase in cigars imported into the country from Nicaragua and Honduras. In those three years, um, it's 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 pretty surprising, actually, that it's grown that much. Um, so I think that there's a lot of new brands that obviously are are factoring in there, as well as the people who are crossovers, the people like Padron, who 12 years ago they had the vast majority of their product coming out of Honduras. Now it's coming out of Esteli again. So I'm sure that's a huge. Uh, a uh, number that we're seeing as kind of flipping the tides here. Yeah, and, and you look at Nicaragua, and since 2010, they've had a 38% growth, and the Dominican Republic has only had about 18%. So they're, you know, accelerating at a, a pretty hefty clip there. And I, and I think the article's right. It's just going to be another year or two. And I don't really see the Nicaraguan train slowing down so to speak it's it still seems to be on the upswing to me with so many new manufacturers and expansions in existing manufacturers you, know, you have Noel Roja Guayacan putting up a factory and I saw on there today that um, there was a mention that he's going to have half a million pounds of tobacco to play with every year <laughs> good gracious and you know Drew Estate just built this enormous new facility in Esteli. I mean, there's there's a lot of expansion and as well as a lot of you know like I said new guys moving into the area, the Roma crafts of the world. So just doing some quick math, uh, Noel Rojas is going to have half a million pounds of tobacco. Is that what you just said? Mm-hmm. Uh, think about that. If a the average cigar, let's just say, is 15, 16 grams. That means that about 30 cigars is a pound, roughly. So if he has half a million pounds and 30 cigars equals a pound, it's 15 million cigars alone coming out of his, coming from him potentially. I simply can't imagine that. I mean, you know, this post, it was posted by House of Emilio, but the picture and the comment was about 
the new uh, Wyacon operation. And so I don't know if maybe some of that tobacco's designated for the other House of Emilio folks or not. Uh, mm. Still, either way, it's a lot of new tobacco in a new facility. To put it in some sort of scale, just a couple years ago, uh, what I think a lot of people would say a relatively major industry player, Lugione, they, uh, Lugione, excuse me, they, I, what was the number? I think about 700,000 cigars annual production was what they were putting into the market. So, you know, and that, that's Lugione. I mean, that's, that's a, a brand that a lot of people know and a lot of people really, really, uh, appreciate. I'm just, I'm, that's almost unfathomable that it's, gosh, 25 times the output potentially in a year. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's pretty surprising. Yeah, but, I'm looking, uh, looking here at, uh, Tabacalera Aromas de Jalapa with Noel Aroja, who is the uh, Guayacan owner. And the comment just says the final basement's in place and 500,000 pounds of tobacco yearly to play with. That, <laughs> that's pretty big, considering Noel just walked into this market a year and a half ago. Well, and, yeah. I guess it. I'm not factoring in waste. I mean, that may be unstripped tobacco and not handling or not um, discussing trimmings or anything along those lines too. And I don't have any idea what the waste factor is from raw leaf to finished product, or if that's half a million pounds of uncured leaf before it's lost its moisture. Maybe that's another thing too. Um, that's really a, a statistic that isn't telling you very much. But uh, even even if it's you know, jeez, uh, even if it's a hundred percent loss, that's <laughs> still seven and a half million cigars. That's that's pretty substantial. Yeah, I'm I'm looking. It's 50%. hard to tell from the pictures because the pictures have you know, pylones and as well as bales that are already bagged up. So you can't really tell from the pictures what what their exact hmm. intent is. Hmm. Oh, and Jay Morgan in the chat room says he met Noel once. He's a nice guy. That's true. He, he really is a super nice guy. Yeah, I had no idea he had such a large operation, Matt. And to be honest, neither did I. I mean, he's he's really new. I know he's been doing really well, but holy cow, that's a lot of tobacco. That is a lot of tobacco. And it, it almost, one could say, plays into our second comment or our second news item here. Which uh, you want to get into, or we still want to talk a little bit about this article a touch more? No, let's jump on it. Do, do, Boy, you can ahead. tell I'm excited to talk about this, can't you? <laughs> I guess you're not. We haven't talked about it off air, folks, so I'm, I don't know what Craig's response is going to be. Um, our buddy uh, Frank, Frank Herrera, posted another blog entry this week, and, and I said in the notes, as always, it's quite entertaining and worth a read. Um, his blog's over at cigarlaw.wordpress.com, and he posted the 10 classic knucklehead moves made by new cigar brand owners in no particular order. Is there one or two of these that really jumped out at you that you wanted to talk about? <laughs> Well, there is, and I guess you know the the first time I read this, I had a relatively strong reaction to it, and 
I'd say half that reaction was the fact that it's Frank, and I'm looking for I, I'm looking to pick a fight with Frank. You know, I <laughs> I enjoy my arguments with him. Um, and, and the other half was was that I really did kind of say, "Wow, that's unexpected." I don't think I agree with it, but thinking back a little bit further, and as I've kind of settled down uh, over the past few hours, there's uh, there's merit to all of these. Um, even the few that I kind of want to pick on a little bit, but they're not certainly as um, oh, as polarizing as I had initially thought. But do we want to talk about all ten, or do you just want me to get into two the two that I've kind of highlighted here? Well, let's hear the two you've highlighted. We're we're already over a half hour into the show and just got one new shot of the way. All right. Well, I. Uh... <laughs> Frank's going to kill me, especially because later on I'm going to talk about a Cuban, so I am just going to light him up this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to hate that. Um, well, the the two that I want to talk about are his, I believe, his 10th and his 7th comments. Um, I'll start with the 10th, and then I'll, I'll go to the 7th in a bit, but his 10th says, as to those without their own production system, they pay too much for their product from the factory. Um, and I, I just, this was one of those where literally I read it and I said, seriously, I, I think that that's not at all the case. I, I, uh, I, I've dealt with factories before and what they may charge or may not charge. I've talked to a lot of people about what they're paying for cigars that they're having made elsewhere. Um, and not just small guys, not the, the Johnny come lately's, but big guys like Rocky Patel. Uh, if he's wanting a, a factory to make cigars for him, what he'll offer to buy those cigars for, um, it, it kind of gives you, uh, okay, well, this is one of the top five cigar manufacturers in the world, and so if they're paying for that, it gives me, obviously, a baseline of what you, you're going to get if you want two million cigars, one of the lowest, uh, what you could assume would be one of the lowest prices per cigar that you're going to find. Um and then somebody like me who was out there and and uh, just made an incredibly small amount of cigars but priced out a number of different things, I knew what my kind of high-end level was. So, And then filling in the blanks and talking to some other guys, there's um, there's really not, not as large of a gap between those two numbers that I think would warrant this as being in a top ten list of idiotic moves that a brand owner could make. Um, you know, if that range is anywhere between the low $1 and the high $2 per cigar, and that's manufactured cost, uh, that's that's surprising to me. That's um, That to me is what a distributor is selling these cigars for. Excuse me, what a distributor is buying these cigars for. So if his markup is slight on that, and they're, let's just say it's a dollar, uh, and so now you're looking in the low two dollars to the um, the high threes, roughly three fifty, and you're keystoning that in the wholesale range. So you're in that maybe in that seven dollar range, and then you're looking at um, uh, MSRP being in that ten dollar, eleven dollar range, not a full keystone on the high end. I think that that's yeah, that's a, that's a little high, but What's the sweet spot in the market? $8? Yeah, 6 you know? to 9 is what I always say. 
six to nine, you can you can very easily be in that range. I think if you're not buying a thousand cigars, twelve hundred cigars, if you if your order might be twenty five thousand, you can definitely come down from that the the range that I was just talking about. And I, I mean, I've done it, I've seen it, and I have talked to more than just two people, and it it seems like this isn't. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's as prolific of a of a failure as what might be implied here but i don't well, know I don't, Do you, have you ever talked about that with people no not 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 considerably but i think probably and i'm second guessing frank here i don't i don't always understand how frank's mind works <laughs> uh, the, the i don't think he meant that to be that this is the reason for failure of a new guy i think that what he's doing is criticizing the new guys who Come into the market with up there, you know, their introductory cigars, ten or eleven bucks, and you know it may work sometimes. And Ezra Zion's a good example of that. They've been really successful with high-end cigars uh, up to this point, um, with the exception of one, which I'm going to tell you about later. Um, uh, but a lot of folks that may try that are not going to be super successful because I'm going to walk into a cigar shop and look around and say, oh, there's a new cigar. Oh, that new cigar is twelve bucks. There's no way in the world I'm paying twelve bucks to experiment with it. I can go get, you know, in Tampa anyway. I can get two Hemingways from Fuente for that price, and yeah, I'm just not going to do it. Or at least not with any regularity. It's a little tougher. You maybe you're making things tougher on yourself than introducing your cigars in the sweet spot. And my guess is Frank got a loud plane or helicopter or something going over here. Frank. Um, with his own cigars, biography, brought that to the market, and three Vitolas, I think a Robusto, a Toro, and a six by sixty, and all of them are under seven bucks. They're all six twenty-five to six seventy-five. So he successfully managed to negotiate pricing and control the distribution himself in such a way to keep that price down. And that's another factor that's in here. I mean, Frank is no spring chicken. He's he, he's had other cigars before the biography. Uh, the Caridad de Cobre is, was one of my favorites five years ago. I wish it was still around, um, or I wish it was still easily accessible. Maybe coming back. Hmm. I think he mentioned that on the show, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I, I think that there are ways to, to help assist in keeping that price in a much more reasonable manner, and, and it's it's not so much farming out everything. If you're going to keep sales in house and you're going to, you know, handle distribution on your own, um, and maybe you own a shop, which seems to be something that's relatively common now, that shops are coming out with their own cigars, either commissioning them or shop owners are becoming brand owners. It really allows you to kind of simplify and combine two of those really regular phases of cigar distribution, and I think that that, a lot of people who are coming to market or have come to market in the last few years, I think have a very good grasp of that, that business side of things. Now, this wasn't always the case. I mean, 10 years ago, people who brought cigars to the market were few and far between in comparison to now, and they may have been the guy with money who just wanted to go down to the Caribbean and play with tobacco and brought a cigar out, but I don't think that that plays well with 2014 um, at all, in my opinion. 
I don't know. It just it it, it it was definitely something that I could pick apart. Whether or not I can shoot holes through it, I'll wait till Frank comes on the show next to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I think these are at least the way I interpret them were things that will just make life a lot tougher. And honestly, in the grand scheme of things, I think the cigar business, or at least breaking into the cigar business as um, anything beyond just getting a job as a rep or for some you know, day-to-day with a cigar company, if you're going to start a brand or even start a shop in, in, to some degree, uh, these things are going to be uh, strikes against you or obstacles to overcome. And um, but I think largely it's it's right place at the right time. You know, if you don't have some kind of break given to you or fall in your lap, it's going to be really a much tougher road to hoe. Hmm. Well, I certainly won't look at this entire list, which I really encourage you to get up here to uh, Frank's website and check out. I think you said it earlier, but cigarlaw.wordpress.com. It's short. Uh, it's kind of a nice thing about what Frank does. He he doesn't uh, he doesn't waste time getting to the point with a lot of his blogs. Um, you know, this might be 150 words. It's really not a huge blog post, uh, but it's it's not a bad uh, mantra for somebody who's considering getting into the cigar industry to post these 10 things on their wall and read them on a regular basis. You know, there's nothing in here that's stupid. It's just some of the things that are in here I don't think are easy mistakes for a lot of guys to make. I'll put it that way. What do you think about number eight there? They badmouth others in the industry not realizing this is a small industry with a wicked carbon backlash. Um, I don't really know what to think about that one because I've heard a lot of guys who are very successful in the industry badmouth others. So, I do too, but I, I've also seen a lot of little guys that talk some smack uh, maybe a little too early and they just never seem to get the... Uh, uh, respect or gravity that, that maybe they would have had they not done that. Yeah, it, it's that's valid, and I think the point may be that you know some of those big boys who have talked smack, they may be talking smack justifiably, rather than somebody they're having a you know, uh, I got brass balls, this guy's a weenie sort of conversation with you know something that's unjustified. Um, or just perhaps spiteful is a is a better way of putting it. Yeah. It's not a bad point, although again, it's it's kind of one of those life lessons, you know. Yeah. It, you you unfortunately need to deal with people anytime you're in business. Yeah, I thought actually I'm, I got two more here. I'll mention the, the number nine. They hire knuckleheads as sales reps that do more harm to their brand than good. I've seen that a lot, and I think that's. Uh, much of that's due to a new cigar company. It doesn't have just a whole ton of, of uh, you know cash flow or free capital, and they just look for somebody that's going to work cheap and hope for the best. And uh, the people that work cheap sometimes aren't maybe who you want representing a brand that nobody's heard of. They're not going to know how to you know accurately uh, or, or portray the brand well enough to convince too many shop owners to bring it in. One of the, I feel like we're going to get through all ten of these just inadvertently <laughs> here, but uh, one of the, the comments here that I read, and I just had a, you know, a, a proverbial amen after reading it, is uh, his second one. Uh, 
<laughs> talk, speaking of these potential new brand owners, um, they believe that their social media audience accounts for a large percentage of their customer base or possible customer base. The, the biggest thing that I, the biggest response that I had when I read this was, you know what, I wonder if there really is an obvious way of, of, uh, of knowing what that real audience is in comparison to, to the social media audience. Does anybody really have terrific statistics that are verifiable and um, and justified? You know, if you've got a thousand friends on Facebook or a thousand likes on Facebook, does that typically quantify to five thousand regular people who are regular buyers, or is there is there a formula out there that's been pretty consistent for this no, industry? I don't think you can build a good formula there uh, just because you can go out and spend 50 bucks and get 10,000 followers on Facebook or Twitter overnight and, and they'll be worthless, absolutely worthless. Um, and a lot of the folks that have a large social media presence, wherein a large part of those folks are you know, customers, paying customers, um, have built that social media base from their existing customer base, not the other way around. Hmm. Anywho, I think we maybe have strayed into minutia that our chat room is maybe dissing us a little bit about. <laughs> is our chat room like talking about the baseball games of the day or something? I'm not on it. Yeah, that's uh, Don is snoozing. He's typing Z's across the board here. <laughs> uh, Don is talking Z's because he had to wake up to listen to the show. Yeah. Well, Poor Don gets up in the middle of the night to, to hang out with us. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful. I think it's awesome, but oof, getting up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning to tune in for us is kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't he realize that we're not worth that? <laughs> it is published later. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe somebody should tell him that. But nonetheless, we do appreciate it. He's uh, although maybe we shouldn't appreciate it. He's having more fun in the chat room than than uh, <laughs> than he deserves. How's that? Hey, um, there was a question earlier of how you said a hundred percent waste translated into still seven and a half million cigars. Well, I I tried talking over you and correcting myself that it was a fifty percent waste. But uh, apparently that didn't come through. I realized the error in that. Thank you for whoever caught it and pointed it out. I was I was yes, gonna sir. I was gonna try to help you out and say that you your number you were drawing a comparison. You were making a ratio of waste to finished you know actual successful finished goods, so that at a fifty percent waste, your ratio would have been a hundred percent. I I'll go with that. Absolutely, that's exactly what I meant, folks. I thought that's what you meant. Yep, it was. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> well, head on up to to Frank's blog. It's uh, oh man, it's uh, it's a blog with some character, and you'll you'll enjoy it. I think if you like good writing and uh, uh, sharp wit. Yeah, Frank's a good guy. I get along with him much better than you do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Frank and I have got a mutual appreciation. Either that or his appreciation of me was that we let him have a forum, one or the other. <laughs> uh, well, we got a little bit of Florida news here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we've actually talked about a few iterations of this here in Florida where 
um, local municipalities discovered, <laughs> moving my screen, that uh, years after they had passed small localized smoking bans, that they were not legally allowed to do that, that it was not enforceable, that you could not place like uh, Sarasota had uh, smoking bans on their beaches and this was eventually somebody bit the bait and carried this up to the state Supreme Court, and they said, no, the uh, legislation that created the state ban disallows local bans. You, you can't supersede the state uh, law in doing that, and they were all thrown out. So we've now had three or four attempts at kind of scooting that in, and this one I actually expected to go in. This one was put out as a feeler. Uh, trying to get a foot in the door for that kind of thing by saying we're going to allow local municipalities to put put bans in place for playgrounds and parks. Uh, with the plan, a published, public, known, spoken plan that, hey, this is the first step in getting that accomplished. And so well, this, this actually has died uh, for at least the next year. It's not going to be coming up. The, it just fell out of out of the session and it's not going to happen. Um, but they're going to be back and then just just like I said, it, it's the first step is getting them banned on the playground so it can be uh, in, to include parks. And, and the reasoning this was thrown out was the existing law already has an exemption for schools and schools can ban it on the entire property and, and of course private properties and whatnot. Um, so I can still have my cigar on the beach. For as much longer as I'm here. <laughs> well, I uh, I think you should take advantage of that. I was going to try to come up with some sort of clever way of saying that you should uh, uh, you should live out your freedoms as best you can, but um, let's just say take advantage of it because it's something that so many of us wish we could do as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. What else? Well, we I I was just gonna say I think it's time to talk about the next very enjoyable item, something that I'm looking forward to uh, that's in our news, um, and that is a an upcoming release that uh, La Polina's got for this year's IPCPR, which is very very intriguing to me for a number of reasons, and it is me as well. I. I like a lot of the La Polina stuff that I've had, and um, I, you make a comment. Yeah, the the very last item that you have, or the last um, sentence that you have on this note, um, I'm going to focus on a little bit after I read it here. But uh, I totally agree with with what you're saying. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But La Polina is going to introduce its its next and reportedly the strongest blend that they've ever released at IPCPR this year. Um, the La Polina Black Label is going to be made again by Pinar del Rio uh, in the Dominican. And details are, are definitely sketchy right now. There's not a ton uh, that's concrete and being shared. But uh, as what always happens in late spring, early summer, those details of about cigars like this and so many others will continue to trickle out uh, prior to IPCPR in July. Um, now, this La Polina Black Label, it is known right now that it's going to have a Brazilian wrapper, which just so many people uh, seem to be in love with that. Uh, a wrapper, 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 a wrap
whoever, a rapper, rocker, rapper, um, which I presume that's what this will be. But again, I don't think we have any definitive info uh, for sure about that. So, but that Brazilian rapper does, if it is that a rapper, rocker, it brings a lovely, complex spiciness to uh, most of the cigars that it uh, that it happens to wrap, and I think it would do a great job in. Uh, Really being a, a strong cigar that La Polina comes out with. Yeah. Uh, I am unceasingly impressed with La Polina in that last sentence and intrigued by their um, uncanny ability to use so many different manufacturers and keep their company organized and themed and the production running smoothly. I mean, I don't know of any major snafus they've had. Um, and just to be able to have a, a cohesive uh, set of offerings. You know, they had, I, didn't they have the El Diario from Rice's Cubana? They have correct. a couple a couple of cigars coming out of El Titan de Bronze. Uh, now Pinar del Rio. Um, didn't they have one more? I don't know where their first was made. Was it made at... El Titan de Bronze? I don't recall, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure they have four different manufacturers making cigars for them. And they're not, you know, this is not a 100-year-old company, despite the the, the name. Um, but uh, I, I'm impressed. I really am that they, they can hold this all together. And what I, my... Uh impressive nature or my, my feeling of being impressed with them comes from the fact that all of their cigars seem to have a common line. Not so much a oh, I taste this tobacco again, but if I smoke a La Polina, it kind of treats me in much the same way that a Davidoff treats me where I just have that feeling, you know, this I think is a La Polina or you know, this just kind of has that common feel to it that that almost it's not a textural thing, and it's not a, a a specific flavor. It's a style. It's a it's a theme at how the cigar presents itself. Um, the Kill Bill, the Mr. Sam, the Dario, Dario, no, Dario, Dario, Dario. Thank you. Um, they all just they all seemed to seem uh, present tense to just have a consistency to them that um, represents maturity much beyond the age of the actual company. I think La Polina made its reemergence in 2008, so this being maybe the sixth or seventh year that it's been back on the market, um, it's just done brilliantly to me to really not just try to position itself in a uh, an ultra-premium position of the market, but to kind of make itself a mainstay in the ultra-premium uh, segment of the market. I really respect this company and look forward to all of their releases. Yeah, I do as well. I, I can't say that I've just you know bought a whole ton of them, uh, and I 100% am open and admit and fess up to being a, an extreme skeptic when they first came out and their first cigar was like 22 or 23 bucks. I thought that's <laughs> That's a, that's a waste of my time to look at those. I can't imagine somebody putting that out as their first cigar, but then 
they've hung around. They've introduced cigars at you know several different price points now. They're making a good product. They're managing all these different manufacturers. So I'm I, I gotta now come clean and and have a, a reversal in thought. And I think they're doing pretty good. You know, it, it, in all honesty, I think the the skeptics' view here is that it helps to have capital. Um, but I don't think that capital buys you class and these cigars just tend to exude class when I smoke them. Not, not, uh, not so much in the, you know, Davidoff white label, you know, tuxedos and, and bow ties class, but class is in the just professional, um, down in the dirt, knowing what the hell they're doing and putting out a good product class. Yep. I love them. I agree. I'm in the same boat as you. Well, a friend of the show and friend of yours, Yadi Gonzalez, tweeted a picture that I'm sure you're extremely happy about. Yes, I am so excited. And this was just a few hours ago, actually. It was you know late this afternoon, early evening. Uh, she tweeted a picture. She was driving somewhere or another and was smoking a Lancero and... Somewhat announced in the tweet, she, I guess she just tweeted, that it's going to be a 90 miles Lancero, and it will be coming soon. I don't know what soon is, but it can't be soon enough for me, because I, I love this blend, and I'm just so excited to try it in a small ring and you know, just get my hands on a Lancero with this blend. I think it will really perform well. And if those are sometime soon, I may actually hit you up and see if we can do that as a, a show cigar. Uh, oh I'm heck sure, yes! Uh, I'm sure she would be happy to join us. Uh, just a just a really sweet lady. Uh, it, it's a good family uh, all together. Um, but I man, I love that 90 miles. I, I I'm used to the robusto and torpedoes. I usually have some of those around. I think I'm out of robustos right now, but I got a good supply of uh, torpedoes, and they're just great cigars. They they really are. And I, I tell people it's one of the best cigars you might never have heard of because they're not. You know, they they are distributed nationally, but they're not on you know, 700 store shelves. Um, they're available anywhere, but there's not a shop on every corner carrying them. I, I love them. I, I just can't get enough of that 90 miles. Where are they made? Um, um, they have a factory somewhere in Nicaragua, and I wouldn't swear to where, but they also make some of their cigars in Miami. Uh, I believe the 90 miles is one of the Nicaraguan rolled uh, blends, but I, I don't, I don't recall the name and location specifically of the factory. Hmm. I've, I've never asked that, but then it occurred to me that I didn't know the answer, so just curious. Yeah. They, um, their distribution, and a very small little family-sized factory is in uh, Hialeah, which is just outside Miami. Well, Yachty seems to be good people. I've never uh, personally spent time with her, but through your comments and then through some of our uh, uh, indirect communication, how she, I'll say she had a part in my uh, sampling of the Dos Madeiras rum. Uh, she's good people in my mind, at least. Right. Even though that wasn't from her, but. Okay, I'm lost. How, how is she connected to the room? Um, you know what? 
I just made a colossal error. That was not Yadi Gonzalez, was it? <laughs> was on, a, on a Cuenca. On a Cuenca. <laughs> well, that's all right. I, uh, I'm sure Yadi Gonzalez is just a fantastic woman as well. Yeah. And Maria Elena Gonzalez, that's the tie, Gonzalez. That's uh, the tie, the last she name She is who Gonzalez. sent you the rum and also sent an unbanded that I believe is our next unbanded up uh, to be uh, featured. It is, and uh, in examining all those unbandeds that you uh, each sent over to me. Man, I uh, I have just an inkling as to what we may be getting ourselves into coming up. It's going to be pretty fun. Cool. I think, I think I know what one of them is already, and I've got uh, an inkling of what uh, the cigar may be from Ms. Gonzalez as well, but not mm-hmm. nearly as confident as one of the others. Well, she does not smoke crap, best I can tell. Um uh, when I was there, I don't recall what she was smoking at the time, but she sent me uh, a small package of cigars when she sent you the rum, and, man, there were some fantastic selections in there. And she definitely knows her cigars, that's for sure. Hmm. Well, I'm looking forward to that and all of our Unbandits. There's such a fun time when we smoke those. I have just a blast on the show. Yeah, and we usually have a, a greater number of downloads on those weeks because people enjoy seeing us make idiots out of ourselves. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> Let's see. What else we got on here? A, a, a Tatawahe story or update. We may actually have mentioned this a few weeks ago, but it's now uh, public knowledge. Uh, a couple of sites have posted up articles about it. and um, my local shop has already sent an email out that they're getting them with a few details and a picture even, I think. Uh, but the Tatuaje Pudgy Monsters Project is coming. Uh should be shipping in June. And these are going to be uh, kind of neat little samplers. Some of you may remember the little monsters. Uh, these will be presumably a little more pudgy. Uh, and I'm not sure the exact Vitola or size in them. But I know there will be spinoffs of the uh, the Halloween releases that we've seen the past several years. Mm-hmm. And they will come in 10-count samplers and have one each of the uh, first six releases. And then the remaining four will be two each of Chucky and Tiff, which is uh, or Chuck and Tiff, which are, the of course, the doll characters in the Bride of Chucky uh, movies. I um I have to say I've never been a monster fanboy, but as I think we talked about on last week's show, some of the most spectacular tats that I've had have been from the monster line. I didn't have any of the little monsters, but man, I absolutely adored the Boris, absolutely adored the Drac, um, and not to mention the Frank. I, they, you know, the Frank doesn't even feel like a uh, a monster line to me. The Frank feels like an ultra premium, you know, uh, uh, one, one in a million cigar from Tat, right up there with some of his, some of Pete Johnson's other extreme rare, extreme high end uh, offerings that he's had over the last ten years, eleven yeah. now. And we talked last week. I smoked the uh, the Frank uh, Redux or reproduction, mm-hmm. and it was right there with what you're describing. It was a phenomenal cigar. So I'm excited for those. I'll give them a try. I'm I'm in the same boat. I've never been a big fanboy that that goes out chasing dress boxes and everything for the monster cigars. Uh, I did uh, get a 
two years ago I got a box of the mummies and the year before the Wolfman. But uh, that's that's the only ones I've gone out of my way to find. And really, I didn't then. I just happened upon them. Um, and I've had the other years. The Frank reproduction last week was the first of, you know, I never had the Frank when it came out. And I had the Boris, but I didn't really know what it was at the time. So I don't know that I could count it. It was just another cigar at Corona. Mm. Uh, somebody handed me to try. Well, I, um, um, I'm interested by the Monster series for a lot of reasons. One, obviously, that the cigars. You know, I mean, it's uh, anything that Pete puts out. I've I've not been disappointed by. So that's um, that kind of goes without saying, but. I'm also very interested in how it's kind of spawned these other iterations. It was initially kind of meant to be the, or not initially, but at the first, um, uh, no, I'm sorry, the second year when the Drac was released, there was this kind of, what was it, the Undressed? It was the Monster release and then the Undressed release. That's when the Boris came out. Um, and then there was the whole debacle with the... Uh, Oh, what was it? The no purchase necessary, um, yeah, except a purchase was necessary for the cards. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing, and then the you know the little monsters, and then the reduxes, and then the pudgy little monsters, and then the face, uh, excuse me, the dress box, and then the plain box. Um, <laughs> there's been a lot of conversations that have been documented over the years that it seems as if the monsters line is kind of pushed Pete to the edge. Oh, and then the, oh, jeez, the, how the Drax tasted like shellac because they weren't ready in time, the boxes weren't dry. I mean, it just, it, there's a lot of drama to it, or as much drama as you're going to find when it comes to cigar releases, and that's always been intriguing to me. So, from afar, it's not a bad idea to maybe watch, uh, watch this and see how it goes, find out if these pudge, pudges are uh, worthwhile or if they may be a bit of a dud. I don't know of any of the monster releases that have truly been a dud. So no, uh, I if I had to pick a least favorite, it would have been the Mummy. That cigar just didn't do anything for me. I, I had that box of them and passed along most of them. I, I certainly did not like it as much as any of the rest of them I've tried. Hmm. Well, moving on well, we to have, our uh, go right ahead. One more little snippet of a story, and I only put that in here because it's out of your neck of the woods. And uh, Representative Brad Halbrook, Republican, I don't know which district, but out of Illinois, has sponsored uh, House Bill 5550. And the, the quick little summary of that is he wants to uh, them to pass this and provide a tax cap on cigars that would be a maximum of 50 cents per cigar tax, which would be a pretty big break for you guys, wouldn't it? Are you kidding? That's an oh, yeah. unbelievable break, yeah. I uh, There's a lot of taxes. Well, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say a lot of taxes um, in comparison to other people because I know that there are a lot of uh, states and municipalities that have higher taxes than Illinois, but... Uh, Illinois is, depending on what Illinois, I don't mean to make that with an S, uh, depending on what county you're in, can have some pretty aggressive taxes that are approaching 40-50% um, 
and so to see somebody who's going to propose a 50% excuse me a 50 cent state tax cap is news to my ears you've got the 40 cent federal s chip you've got a 50 cent state potential cap and then your county taxes that you'll see on there as well which uh, I, I think the highest county tax that I've seen is is 11% on top of sales tax um, in Illinois so if you're talking a $10 cigar, which is on that upper end, a little bit higher than the the um, the sweet spot that we're talking, it's a dollar county, fifty cent uh, this and forty cent um, uh, federal. It's now only a twenty percent overall maximum tax uh, in in comparison to uh, thirty plus, close to forty percent, which is really really uh, music to my ears. I I'm happy about that. I think that this may have some pushback from people who are in that kind of Padron 1000 series range, that $5 a cigar, uh, MSRP and less, uh, or right in that market. You might not see the same um, support from people who are on the lower end of that sweet spot, but I think all in all, uh, as a purchaser of cigars in the in the state of Illinois, this puts a smile on my face more than it doesn't. Yeah, that does not suck. That does not suck. Man, oh man, I'll take a 10, 15, 20% reduction in tax on uh, on a cigar. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, cool. I think that mostly wraps up our news, which actually ran a little bit longer than I expected tonight. Uh, so how about we jump over and talk about what we've smoked this week? Before we do that, do you want to uh, maybe talk about this Oliva V, which has just been incredibly changing up on me? I don't know if it has for you. Yeah, rock with it. Well, I uh, did you just say rock with it? I did. I should have been roll with it probably, but I'll go with it. <laughs> rock with it, roll with it. I guess it could work either way. Um, <laughs> still going to make funny about it. Yeah, that's fine. I am probably approaching final third. Let me measure how much of this thing I've got left. I've got just about three and a quarter inches left. So I'm approaching final third, halfway through the cigar uh, or thereabouts, and um, I'm just blown away. See, the cigar went from being incredibly meaty and woody and savory on that initial half inch or so to um, almost a cloyingly sweet uh, and sharp citrusy flavor in the first third which has drastically died down and gone a little bit more uh, towards the the richer, heavier flavors that it had in the beginning. Um, But I think it still kind of holds on to a little bit of that nutty, salted caramel flavor that it had a a short while ago. It's kind of jumping, instead of this being a linear progression, it's, it's much more parabolic. It's you know, it's it's real low and dark and then high and sweet and then kind of middle of the road with that kind of salty, slightly sweet, um, fatty flavor and then, you know, kind of dropping down a little bit again and getting a little bit darker. It's very interesting to me how it's not a linear projection of flavors. I, I, I don't love the flavors, but I think that it's the first V. Maduro that I've seen this sort of a change in complexity. I could absolutely not have said that as well. You you kind of put into words what I couldn't get out of my head, and that's hmm. exactly a good way to look at it. 
And uh, you know, like like you said, that sweetness was kind of there. It it was not as cloying or over the top to me as maybe it sounds like it was to you. It was definitely there. And now I'm just back into that. You know, if I'm making the comparison with the music, that high pitched kind of. Um, dang, what is the word I'm thinking there? I don't know. Anyway, that resonance. That, uh, yeah. No. Um, no, falsetto. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> frenetic. That's the oh, word. Wow. I'm frenetic. Uh, just uh, almost shrill, but it never goes to where I would call shrill. It's not, never unpleasant, but it really gets up there and gets that, uh, you know, really bright, salty kind of, uh, you know, almost a salty feel to it to me at times. Hmm. I'm digging it, and I, I got to tell you, I have almost three inches of this thing left. We're an hour and fifteen minutes into it. This is like a two and a half hour cigar out of a you know an oversized Robusto. So. Yeah, I'm really surprised by that. Though I, I I have to say, I had a a different dinner tonight, <clears throat> and I wasn't really going to comment much on strength because I didn't know how the food was going to affect this, but um. I'm starting to feel the effects of nicotine from this cigar, and I don't know if it's because what I ate or if this cigar perhaps has uh, more Lajero in it than some of the other Vs. Um, you have any comment on that? No, I, I do. I, I know what you're saying. I happen to have eaten just like an hour before showtime, so it's not not really an issue for me tonight. But I know what you're saying, and that is really the way the 2011 hits me. It, 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 it tends to have a little more potency for me than, than the others. Hmm. I'm, I haven't really done much of a retrohale on this, but it's sharp in the nose, and it it has much more sweetness than just the, the normal exhale out the mouth. Really, I'm, I'm blown away by the complexity of this cigar. Zach Noodle in the chat room said it's time for you to have an El Producto. <laughs> uh, no thanks. All right. Well, let's, let's uh, head into what we've been smoking this week, and then we'll wrap up this whole series before we wrap up the show. I think that's a fantastic idea. So tell me about the uh, the old Trinidad. Yeah. I. Uh, you've stocked <laughs> up on... Oliva V. Maduro's. I stocked up on Trinidad Ingenios. Uh, Ingenios's, excuse me. Um, in 2007, late 2007, um, the Edition Limitadas for Cuba were released to the public, and um, I was incredibly intrigued by this release in particular, um, <clears throat> because Trinidad to me has always been a brand that has ridden that edge, uh, modern Trinidad, not the diplomatic Trinidads that were, have been floating around for decades. Um, Trinidad, to me, in its modern blend, has always kind of ridden that edge of being too soft, too much vanilla, too much brown sugar, caramel. Um, it, it was like, I don't know, like I, I, I needed to be eating dark, dark, dark chocolate, 80% cacao to go with it to balance it out because they were just too sweet. Um, and so this idea of a Trinidad as an additional limitada, the, and for those of you who don't know, uh, 
every year, uh, almost every year, uh, Cuba has put out uh, a certain release of Maduros, uh, which is essentially just the highest priming, similar to what some people would refer to as the media tiempo, except this is a wrapper variation. Um, and so it's thicker, oilier, um, more flavor, and they let that Maduro, that Corona leaf, uh, they let it ferment all the way to a Maduro color, Maduro shade, a true Maduro um, uh, processing. So these cigars typically have a very um, rich cocoa, coffee, um, deep, dark, earthy core to them, any of these additional limitados, to go with whatever it is that their core blend uh, it, it kind of brings to the table. So I thought, wait a second, maybe this this Trinidad, this the first of the additional limitados to be offered by Trinidad, uh, maybe that'll be the, the perfect marriage that I'm looking for um, with a Trinidad. I don't have to actually eat the chocolate while I'm smoking the cigar to balance it out. The cigar itself will have that balance in it. Um, and so I I bought a number of these boxes. In fact, they're some of the last boxes of Cubans I've ever purchased. Um, and uh, I had numerous boxes of these things. And I went through the first, which were boxes of 10, I, probably in a month. And that does not happen to me. I do, I do not smoke 10 of the same cigars in a month. One, I barely smoke 10 cigars a month, period, let alone in winter um, going through one of these things. And so I burned the first uh, like it was nothing. And then all of a sudden I I had one or two spectacular ones out of the second box, and, and then they started changing. The cigars were not the same. Their cold aroma was different. Their, uh, the way that they smoked was different in that it wasn't just that the flavors changed, but it was it was almost as if... Uh, the style of the cigar was a different cigar. Um, like it just had a, a very astringent, very one-note citrusy flavor to it. Uh, and I didn't, I don't love that. You'll a lot of times find that if you've got a cigar that's made with, um, even if it's grown in Nicaragua, uh, Habano tobacco, when it's going through a transition, it'll kind of get a one-note astringency, astringently sweet um, citrus flavor, and so these Ingenios started to have that, and so I opened up a third box, and that third box experienced an identical flavor to the others that I had had, and so I, I, I was relatively confident at that point that the cigars were just changing. They were going sick. Um, they weren't necessarily at a, at a great point to smoke. I had enjoyed the dozen or so that had been just flawless and uh, thought I'd set the rest of them down. So over the years, uh, I've broke into that box, and so uh, I just so happened to break into it again, that second box again, uh, this week, and was rewarded. I think that these are finally coming out of their out of their long rest and uh, might be returning to glory. So um, I, I think that they're they're deep and dark again. They've kind of gained back some of that depth of flavor, but they still have that sweetness, um, and I I'm enjoying them. I I think they might need a little more time, so we probably won't smoke this until later on in the year. But this these have been the most promising samples that I've had since probably November December 2007. So 
I'm very, very anxious. I'm looking forward to having these things. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man, I was, got one in. I was getting worried. <laughs> well, what about you? You were uh, you were interested in my Trinidad. I have to say, I'm interested in uh, this cigar that you're going to talk about. Yeah, this is something uh, something new, and I actually have some to pass along to you so you can try them yourself. I was um, wondering if that was going to be the case. I was going to have to give Chris and Kyle a, a hard time about sending it to Half Wheel and not me. No, I got a couple for you. And uh, the uh, I think maybe we've talked about this before. I know it's been uh, published as a press release on the Cigar Me, but um, Kyle Hoover and Chris Kelly, two of the owners of Ezra Zion, have a, a, another website called Blessed Leaf where it's kind of their uh, uh, non-denominational Christian cigar smoker gathering place thing. And they, uh, they, they, I don't know what to call it. That, that, that's as good a description as any. Oh wait, here it's on the back of the van. A faith community for cigar aficionados. So they uh, <clears throat> have put out a cigar under the Blessed Leaf name, uh, made for them by Casa Fernandez, who everybody at this point should know I'm a massive fan of Casa Fernandez and Aganorsa tobacco in general. Um, but they. Um, they had them make some of these up. It's a real limited run. Uh, I want to say there's only like... 4,000 cigars. Was it even that many? All right. I'm oh. pretty sure it's 4,000 if I remember correctly. Okay, I, th- I thought it was... Uh, aye, aye, aye. It's 2,000 in boxes and 2,000 uh, in five packs. Yeah, that's what it is. 100 boxes of 20 and 400 five packs for a total of 4,000 cigars. I had 100 boxes in my head. Wasn't thinking of the the five packs, but I had a chance to smoke a couple of these this week. Uh, they had like a a launch herf. I got to to join in and hang out and smoke this cigar. And man, it, it's another winner for me. And like I said, everybody knows I'm a Casa Fernandez fan. That's not a secret. I love that Arsenio, their Reserva Maduro. This week I smoked their um, 35th anniversary cigar and. Golly, it's one of their best ever, and and it's one of those disappointments where you smoke a cigar and fall in love with it and know that you're not likely to ever be able to get them again. Mm. Um, it, it was a fantastic cigar. The Kairos is the name of this one, K-A-I-R-O-S, which was a, a Greek term for the right moment or the... the a, uh, Isn't it divine moment? Yeah, in in some applications, it is the moment in time when the divine intersects with you know our physical world, and and it's like that special moment when something big happens and something changes uh, within a person or or spiritually or whatever. And um, it has a couple of neat things. The the back of the both bands, this foot band and the 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 primary band both have all kinds of stuff printed on the back but on the box and the band as well I don't know if you can see that in the video it, it has a bible verse reference there Psalm 34.8 and I looked that up and I thought it was funny the, the verses taste and see that the Lord is good 
which I thought was the best thing to put on a cigar band ever. Um, but, um, Could you just imagine the, the moment of reckoning when those two guys were sitting in a room and they're like, wait a second, look at what I just read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I thought that was, that was pretty dang creative and, and cool. I like it. Um, it is limited. Like we said, there's only 4,000 of them out there. You can get them at blessleaf.com or Cigar Federation's store as well. Um, but what I wanted to mention is this this cigar is an Ezra Zion slash Casa Fernandez uh, blended and produced product. But it's at a much lower price point than Ezra Zion. It, uh, it, it comes in somewhere in the 7 50 range. I think actually their MSRP is close to nine bucks for a single, but um, the boxes are 178 bucks at Cigar Federation, and, and they have like 15% off of that just for being a member of Cigar Federation. So really, you know, I thought it was even. I thought it was even cheaper than that. I thought these cigars were selling in around the six dollar range. No, I don't think so. Mm. <sighs> Where did I see? I think it comes huh. in right right at 750 right now. Um, so I mean, if you want to try your hand at a, you know, at least a cigar made by them, I, I don't know that I would uh, call it the same. It's certainly not the same cigar. Uh, there's been have been some assertions that's very similar to some of their more recent products, of course, that, that are coming through Casa Fernandez. There's bound to be some similarities, but I think it's a great cigar, and not just because Blessed Leaf is going to support missionaries. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it a lot. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to trying it. I've I've read some comments about it. I've I've looked into this cigar as I I don't remember. It may have been just when Blessed Leaf came out. You and I had talked a little bit about it and had found out that there was a cigar accompanying the the uh, what I would probably call the congregation of uh, members at blessedleaf.com is it, it that's almost like a non-denominational church that encourages cigar smoking it's yeah it's a really unique culture really I, I I don't know of anything else that's similar to it yeah I, I I have failed to mention the the details of the cigar six and a quarter inches 52 ring um, and we already mentioned the price. Has the wrapper is a '99 Nicaraguan Corojo Rosado. Uh, it's fairly light in color. Um, it's box pressed, but it's a mild press. It's not not you know it's not the sharp crisp edges like you might find on a Tempio or something. Um, but a lot of the guys that were smoking these at the same time as me described them as creamy, and I never in my life would have said that. It just didn't come across that way to me. Um, it it was. Kind of, kind of had a woodsy core to me with some leather and, and coffee that that would be there intermittently. Um, not a cigar. They described it as medium strength as well, and I thought maybe it was definitely on the heavier end of that spectrum. It is not a cigar you want to hop out of bed and smoke without any breakfast in the morning. That's for sure. Um, I don't know that Casa Fernandez is much capable of producing what you would call a really mild cigar anyway. Um, but, you know, there's some cedar in there. Uh, I'm just looking back at my notes here. Strong retro hell. A, a, a good solid burn, but it's not sharp. It doesn't leave a, you know, a, a persistent tingling in your nose as some of the really hardcore Nicaraguan spice can do sometimes. But 
but you're not going to forget that you just retrohaled a cigar, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I am looking for some of the information that I had on this stick or that I had read up on on this stick. I'm sure I read somewhere that it was going to be in the $6 range, but you definitely have definitive information in front of you saying to the contrary, so I'm I'm very my interest is peaked as to where I thought I read that. Yeah, I don't hmm. I don't remember. I remember them early on in the uh, press release even maybe making mention that it would be in a lower at a lower price point than uh, the other Ezrazine products, but I don't I certainly don't remember a six dollar uh, comment. Um, I'm looking on the easy, low-hanging fruit for facts about cigars on Half Wheel, and they very clearly state MSRP is 8.95. So, uh, yeah, I uh, don't know. I, I, I mean, it's plain as day. You can go right now for the folks on Cigar Federation watching to the Cigar Federation store. That they got them there, and you can just take 15% off that number and free ship and the boot. I mean, so you get out of it at 7.50. Ish for a cigar. <laughs> the uh, the chat room is telling me, oh, it's quite the church, Craig. I should see all their votive candles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, nothing else. The chat room makes me chuckle. Yeah. So that was really the only uh, standout thing I set fire to this week. I, I smoked a fair number of cigars, but it was all pretty routine stuff that everybody's heard me talk about in the past. Best I can recollect. Well, nothing wrong with that. I uh, I appreciate the review and comments you had on the Caros. The so. Quality over quantity, Kip. See. You know, and I, uh, to, to, to finish up the Caros, I know it's your uh, review, but to finish up the conversation about it, I think what has piqued my interest the most about this cigar is that these guys are not shy of the fact that they are stating that they've brought their A-game. They're very plainly saying that they feel that um, they needed to put out their best work for this cigar since it, w since it was truly not just a, a, a hobby or a passion project, but it's something that they're truly devoting their life to. And uh, and that, to me, having had so many of the Ezra Zion releases or the cigars blended by them, um, I know it can be marketing speak, but with the theme of this cigar, it didn't just seem like it was another thing that people say, this is the best cigar we've ever made. Uh, I perhaps believed it a little more, or believe it a little more than uh, the generic statement that it could have been, and so I'm really, I'm really piqued by that. I think the tobacco quality is going to be super high. Um, that they're probably not making as much money on this as they would have if it was just an Ezra Zion release, um, meaning they're not charging as much. But the quality of tobacco may be such that uh, this is a cigar that could stand to be aged and aged properly, uh, because it has the legs to, the legs and the quality of um, of leaf to stand up to that. So that's that's another reason why I'm really, really digging on uh, getting my hands on some of these. Yeah, and I think what you just said is a is a big part. I mean, we've already mentioned their success earlier in the show. 
with you know being a new company that comes out with a twelve dollar cigar and expect people to buy that and and they they managed to do that and I think a big part of that's what you just said they didn't just roll into the industry with a truckload of money and say here here's a bunch of cash go make me a good cigar and just you know hope for the best and take whatever comes out they they've invested everything they they poured their lives into this cigar company and I think it's showing with their success. Hmm. Well, good for them. I hope that these are uh, an enjoyable stick. I, in full disclosure, I, I've not heard the best things about it, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything from my perspective. It's just, uh, I'm wondering if maybe this is one of those Ford Edsel moments when it's, you know, not to imply it's going to be a colossal failure, but <laughs> when it was just perhaps not released at the right time or. Uh, not in line with what people were hoping. You know, and, and that's also that's something that Cigar Coop mentioned about the uh, Cigar Federation cigar that they did recently, uh, the Collective, collective uh, which I think you got one of those, one or two of those. I did. I got a single of that. Um, uh, and he he thought it was a solid cigar. It was really good, but he, his impression and belief was that put this thing away for a few months and he thinks it will be a much better cigar. He thought maybe it was a little early for it. Hmm. Interesting. Great minds think alike, although I don't know if I'd say a couple months. I'd be... This is without smoking it, but I'd be hard-pressed to throw it down for anything less than five years. I bet it would be karmic. (laughs) Almost like a chagringo. (laughs) Karmic. I don't want to say karmic. That's not what I mean. Uh... What is it? Uh, tantric. <laughs> That's what I mean to say. It's going to last for eight hours. <laughs> Hell, I think this Oliva V, if you smoked it right, would last for eight hours. You know, Six I think it's off. Yeah. Because we are now close to an hour and 45 minutes into this thing, and I've still got a couple inches at least left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm not being careful with it either. I, I'd say I might even be abusing it a little bit, and it's hmm. still going strong. <clears throat> well, how about we uh, kind of put the the seal on this vertical tasting, and maybe talk a little bit about the the years as they come. I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, I, you know, if you've been a, a fan of the show since early on, we talked in some of the very first episodes of uh, the the grand plans we had for Half Ashed, and one of those just happened to be regular vertical tastings, where um, not only do we sit down and and uh, smoke a cigar and talk about it, but we kind of follow the progression of cigars, or find out how cigars have aged, or what's happened to the blend uh, integrity, or things along those lines, and that's exactly what we've done with these Oliva V Maduros. Um, having smoked all six offerings, um, we have and multiple samples of each, um, we really have, uh, I feel, gained a, a, a pretty good representation of what each of these years is going to bring to the table. Um, I've had fun doing it. I hope the listeners have had uh, uh, a, a lot of fun listening to it, and maybe they'll gain something out of it. And if they see a box of these Maduros, they might look at the year, and uh, maybe compare notes with what we've said about it. So 
it's a really fun thing, and I'm glad that uh, that you've tolerated uh, my idea here, and and we've kind of seen one of them through to fruition. I I love the idea, and uh, I, I did want to add just one little footnote to that, or a disclaimer maybe, and and this has been in the back of my head this whole time that we have done this vertical tasting, of course, as best we can. But we're dealing with cigars that have been sitting around for drastically different amounts of time. So, and, and that's going to kind of show through. If I can go ahead and start the years here, so 2008, um, I loved them at the time. I loved them. I, I did not try them the first year. I had these 2009. I guess I had the eight and the nine together. I got the first two uh, years together, and. Didn't actually fall in love with the blend till later, but I really, really enjoyed that 2008, and I think much more so at that time than now. I don't, I don't think age has been um, overly kind. They're, they're still good cigars, there's nothing wrong with them. They're quite enjoyable, but I don't think they're, they don't shine as brightly as they once did. Ah. Uh. I'm eating. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> well, while Craig's eating, I guess what I could say is these cigars are still sweet. They're still, you know, maybe even uh, a good bit of cocoa in there. But to me, in my memory, my memory says these were much more so five years ago uh, than today. And I'm going to hope he's done chewing his chocolate. Nope, not chocolate for me. I'm... Uh... I'm eating a banana. I oh. needed some good starch. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's a red banana. If you've never had one, I highly recommend them. Mm. Extra starchy and a little extra sweet. They're really excellent. Okay. Um, I, I, I would tend to agree with you that the fact that um, uh, the fact that the 08s really did not leave a great impression with me. Um, I, I actually think it was a terrific way to start out the vertical. Um, it's not as if we started with, you know, either of our favorite years, um, and uh, and then went downhill or saw some major loss in complexity or uh, uh, something that really took away from the blend. I think that smoking that 08 was a great baseline for this um, this little experiment, and then getting into just even the next two releases saw such a major variation or growth. Um, now I have to say that my experience with the 08, with the 08 was much sweeter, um, much smoother than yours was. I believe that you really, uh, when we, because we talked about both of them on the same episode, I think your impression on the 08 was that it was it was a much darker, woodsier, lost a lot of its kind of sweet, um, rounded-out complexities. Um, and not that these are overly complex cigars, but I think you understand the point. Um, mine was a little bit different. I still did get some of that sweetness and enjoyed it. And then with the 09, it had more of that woodiness, that one-note darker flavors that I did not enjoy as much. Um, and I thought my two samples were a little inconsistent, but... To kind of uh, give a little bit of a summation as to what I think that means, it's just that this is a blend, or those specific blends were not ones that that really were meant to stand the test of time. I mean, 
the 2008 at this point, it's it's over five years old when we smoked it, and you know, not every cigar is meant to be sitting around on a shelf for that long. Yeah, just ask the padrones. <laughs> yeah, oh man, or, or don't ask the padrones. Hey, hey, hey. Um, I uh, I had to, as I had inferred, I had a different resp- a reaction to the 08 and 09 than you did. We kind of had flip-flopped reactions, but um, proving the point, perhaps, that those cigars may be over the hill slightly. Um, the inconsistency as well as the the change in flavors probably illustrated that. Not to put words in your mouth, but I think we're probably both going to agree on that completely. Yep. I'm with you. Now, another big change here is that those 08s, the 08 and 09, excuse me, did both have different wrappers, um, not only from each other, but from every subsequent release, 2010 and beyond. So that has to factor in a little bit, but um, I, I I think that there is something to the blend of these, the filler and, excuse me, and binder that um, perhaps... On its own, uh, one can make a statement that it's just maybe not the best cigar to reach for any longer. Yeah, I, I, I agree and, uh, with your note about the uh, internal components. I definitely think that blend has changed as well as the wrapper. Um, notably for me is the fact that as soon as we, you know, we had that first year with the uh, what was it? it was Nicaraguan Habano, wasn't it? It was second year with the uh, Connecticut Broadleaf, and after that was the San Andres. But those San Andres cigars had a very different character to me. That they they had uh, notably the burn through the nose. That that you know a little bit of spice, a little bit more of that Nicaraguan zing to them than the earlier ones. I, I think there's a clear difference in the blend. It's not just the wrapper. My uh, my reaction to the 2010 is that I thought it was stronger and more complex. Um, I say specifically here that the San Andres was a great addition to these. Um, and again, the 2010 and 2011 were cigars that we had for the same show. Uh, and I enjoyed the 10. I thought that it was a good cigar. I definitely appreciated what the San Andres brought to the table and thought that these that this 10 was probably better than both the 08 and 09 together. Um, but as I then lit up the 11, um, I, I just saw additional progression. And I don't... Admittedly, we don't know all the components of these blends to say for sure that, you know, the, the 10 and the 11 uh, were nearly identical Vitolas, so the blend itself was identical as well. We don't know that. Um, though it does seem as if uh, with the 11, there was either a little bit more that was illustrating what we're saying, that these blends and the tobaccos from Oliva perhaps aren't necessarily suited to age for years on end, um, because I think that the 11 for both of us, I can't see your comment right now, but I believe the 11 for both of us was probably uh, the preferred stick between the two. Is that right or no? Yeah, the 2011, I, I still have some 2010s, and I made a, a, a note in there that they were maybe a little bit too sweet for my tastes as a, to, uh, you know, in re- you know, regard with regard to the other years. Um, but the 2011, totally agree. That, that's 
Um, definitely my favorite of the San Andreas rappers, uh, rapper usage in years. Um, and this was the first year that I just fell deeply in love with the blend. This is the first year that I smoked this. I actually, it was one of the earliest reviews that I posted on the Cigarmi. I just, I love that cigar so much. I went out and I bought a ton of them. And just like I described earlier with the plan of having these to smoke at different times for however long and however long turned out to just be a couple of months. I just blew right through them. And I've done the same thing the past two years. But the 2011 was the one that, that really got my attention and, uh, and, and drew me in for the, for the kill. I couldn't agree more. And it's funny that this happened years after you were drawn into the, the 2011, but uh, just a month ago, I was drawn into the 2011 so much so to the point that I would say that that cigar is on a different plane, um, at least right now, than the uh, than any of the others, than any of the six or the five other uh, Oliva V. Maduro releases. I think that perhaps some age does benefit these. It, it uh, softens them a touch, and it rounds out some of the complexities. You get a little bit more depth of flavor. Um, and at about two years, either they hit a home run with that blend um, or it's a combination of the age and the blend. But that 11 is, to me, the best of the bunch. I agree uh, with you about how it's easy to fall in love with that, really. And uh, if I saw those in a shop, I would buy the 11, and it's probably the only year that I'd say that about now. Yeah. Well, that leaves us with just a couple more to talk about. Uh, with the 12, I actually enjoy this quite a bit more than you do or did. Um, and I think at the time we started talking about this vertical review, I still had some of the 12s left. And we even did them as a show cigar last year, actually. that was We did. I, I had some plugged, and, and I believe the rep actually made good on that, which was cool. Um, I, I liked the 12. I thought it was much like what I remembered the 11 being. Uh, looking back, I, I don't know that certainly don't know that I uh, put a whole lot of stock in a different rep, uh, not the one who made good on the cigars, told me they were the same cigars, just rolled at different times. I, I think the, uh, the 12 had maybe just a little more punch to it, maybe a little less sweetness, a little more uh, astringency, a little more burn through the nose. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much of that's attributable to just the time that they were laying around rather than the actual accuracy of the, you know, smoking one blend fresh and one that's a year old. Well, I, I, I believe that <clears throat> when we smoked the 12 as a show cigar early on um, with Half Ashed, uh, I, I thought it was a good cigar, but I I have to say I wasn't blown away by the blend, and I I have distinct memories of saying that it was a good flavor, a good core, but not a complex cigar, not a cigar you're going to reach to when you're, you know, when you really want to review something and get into the nitty gritty. It just was kind of a, a workhorse cigar, um, and I think workhorse cigars it, it, they they really walk a fine line between being that kind of uh, lunch pail type. Offering something that you can have day in and day out that a working man's gonna smoke and enjoy, and coming across boring. Um, and I don't, I don't want to imply that I think the 12 was boring, but 
I think it it walks closer to that line than it does some of the other workhorse cigars that I've talked about. Um, most notably, that uh, Cabaguan Maduro. That's the Cabaguan Maduro to me is it's just one of those I can smoke every day and know that I'm going to enjoy the hell out of. Um, it, it, not overly complex, not incredibly unique flavors, but just um, it knows what it is, and it's damn good at being that. And I think the the 2012 Maduro, to me, every time that I've smoked it, um, it knew what it was, and it did that, and it did it well. It just might not, it might not line up with me as well as the 11 specifically. Um, I didn't love the cigar. I don't love the cigar looking back. I probably would never buy another one. Uh, but I certainly would never say it was a bad cigar. It just was not one that lined up with me. <clears throat> oh, cool. That brings us down to our final cigar, which we've talked about a few times already tonight. Uh, maybe we can kind of, you know, cap that off. And uh, I've still got an inch and a half left of this thing. I'm definitely starting to feel the effects of it. Um, you know, not uh, cold sweats and dizziness, but... Uh, I'm feeling the familiar effect of maybe just a little bit more nicotine than I bargained for, even with the fact that I eat dinner at 8 o'clock tonight. Um, well, 8 o'clock Eastern. So knowing that we have people in a number of different time zones. Um, uh, you know, we've kind of already talked a good bit about the flavors that we we're getting through there uh, throughout the show. Uh, I still think I'm leaning on the 11 and the, the 9 as my favorites. Uh, I enjoy this. I bought quite a few of them when they came out, and you know it's not something I turn my nose up to. But if I had all of these laid out in front of me, the nine and the eleven are the ones I'm going to pick every time. Hmm. And I, th- I think it's funny what you're talking about—the you know the working man cigar or, or a cigar you can smoke every day. And I can tell you how radically I've changed. I've been smoking cigars for 20 years now. 20 years this year. Hmm. Um, and uh, for many, many years, I would smoke a different cigar here and there, but the Don Carlos number three was my cigar. <laughs> day in, day out, I could smoke that, never, ever get tired of it, and still love that cigar today, but I just can't imagine picking one cigar, and that's the only thing I'm going to smoke here on out every day. Uh, I, I don't know if I've just gotten more finicky in my old age or or fickle or whatever, but... I I love smoking different things, and I've gotten to a point now that my mood or setting or environment or the weather or whatever little thing can impact me enough that, hey, you know what, I, I'm kind of in the mood for this rather than that. And, and I think some of that, maybe even all of that, is just the fact that maybe I've learned a little bit more and, and experienced a few more different types of cigars. And so I know that there are... 15 different things available rather than one or two, and I know of those, which one just kind of strikes my fancy at any given moment. Hmm. Yeah, I I by no means intend to imply that uh, I'm somebody who can or prefers to smoke the same cigar over and over again. Before we started recording tonight, I, I had commented that I feel like I have a little bit of a, uh, a burnout on the Oliva V Maduro blend, the kind of the core flavors that 
<clears throat> you can tell that they've really tried to uphold throughout all six of these releases. Um, and that strictly comes because over the last month I've had <clears throat> probably 15 of them, which is uh, a month and a half, uh, which is an incredible amount of the same, you know, air quotes around same cigar for me in a month. That just doesn't happen. As I as I talked about with the Trinidad earlier, smoking 10, 12 of those in a month, um, I, I thought was was shocking. That definitely was happening, or that was definitely <laughs> uh, more than I normally would have. But without question, these Oliva V's, I, I, I'm seeing it. I have to say, in the the last two releases from these, I'm seeing it more as um, a task for the show rather than an incredible enjoyment that I'm looking forward to. And that, I, I don't, I don't know, I almost hesitate to be that honest because I don't want this to, to imply that it's not a good cigar, or that I don't um, think well of it. It's just, I've just learned that this isn't the cigar that I want to have on a daily basis. You know, not only is that not something that I really am built for either, but if it was, this wouldn't be on the list of things that I'd consider. Yeah. So I'm with you. I knew yep. what you meant. I knew what you meant. I was just musing about my own past. Hmm. Well, I I didn't really touch on this thirteen in the whole grand scheme of things, besides just the separate release, but um I have to say this 13 does bring a little more entertainment um, to the Oliva Vs. It reminds me more of the 11 in that I, I feel like with every puff, I'm getting a little bit of, oh, I wonder what this one's going to be like. you know. And that's one, that's one thing that I love about cigars. I love complex cigars when you smoke it, you're in the middle of a conversation, and you just kind of stop dead in your tracks. And you're like, holy crap, what was that flavor? Um, and I've done that a couple times with this cigar, and I, I enjoy that. So, hmm. Well, cool, cool, cool. This has been a really fun experiment. I think it's something I could go for again with uh, some other line or different vintages or you know, lineup of offerings within the same line or whatever. Well, I know we've been sent a couple cigars from a listener to uh, um, potentially do our next vertical review with. Um and those don't, they don't happen to be different vintages. They happen to be different Vitolas in the same line. Um, and in fact, they're complete opposites. I think it's a 6x60 and a Lancero, um, which would be kind of the same theme of the vertical when you're smoking the same cigar but in different formats. Um, I think that might be a fun way to uh, to kind of expand upon the whole concept of vertical reviews. But... Um, Maybe later on in the year or in 2015, um, we can do a, a true vintage vertical with the same cigar that is supposed to have the same blend. It might be a really fun thing to dig into. I like it. Cool. Let's put that on the uh, let's put that on the docket and uh, make it so. In my best, Patrick Stewart. Make it so. <laughs> uh. All well, right, we're uh no, it's it's all right. We're at two hours. Do you want to save yeah, the uh, the comment here? Yeah, yeah, we'll just uh, wrap up because we are at the two hour mark. Makes life easier if we keep it down around two hours. 
Yeah, no doubt. And it allows us to uh, talk about the the next incredibly exciting thing that uh, we have to share here on Hap Ash tonight, and that is next week's Cigar of the Week. Yeah, we actually uh, are getting back into a regular schedule, if you folks can believe that or not. We're not going to, you know, decide Friday afternoon what we're going to smoke for the night for a show. We're, we're one week ahead and have a, a list in front of us of several other things to, to work out a schedule, so we should be in good shape for the, the, the near future anyway. Uh, but we will be smoking a cigar that Craig is holding up. Let me uh, click on your video there, Craig. Maybe you can get some focus going there. Um, I'm trying. It's a Kellner, and many of you might recognize that name, uh, Hinky Kellner's, uh, the, the master blender, I guess, for Davidoff uh, down there in the Dominican Republic. And his son, who started his own factory now, but I'm not entirely sure where this cigar came from. If it came from that factory, or maybe it was kind of a little side project for out of his his dad uh, dad's uh, provisions. But uh, several years ago, the first time I went to the Dominican Republic, I came across these, and Craig had done the same thing in the cigar shop of a hotel, the uh, Odelpa Gran Almorante, and um, there's a cigar shop downstairs in that hotel. And I was just standing around talking to the guy that uh, that was working the shop there, and he introduced himself as Heinrich Kellner and Jr. And I was like, man, that sounds familiar. And then goes on to find out he's Hinky's son. And uh, try these cigars, and Craig loved them when he tried them. I it wasn't overly impressed. I smoked two different kinds, and I don't believe either of those were what what this is that that I brought back this time. But uh, we're going to give them a whirl uh, and smoke them next week as our Cigar of the Week and see what happens, see what uh, what we think of them now, and uh, maybe do a little background work and see if we can figure out the exact details of this. I don't believe it's a cigar that's distributed here in the uh, here stateside, uh, but uh, maybe we'll try to contact him and find out. Well, I um, <clears throat> to supplement what you're saying, the... The little I do know about this cigar, I found out when I did a review. Oh, man, 2010, I think I did a review of uh, this cigar. It was after a trip to Nicaragua. Um, I uh, actually traded for my first of these Kellners um, and was told that they were just spectacular. So the backstory that I got was kind of through back channels, conversations, um, barely on-the-record discussions with cigar professionals. Um, and that happened to be that uh, these Kellners were essentially the the custom blend for Hanky Kellner, Things that a blend that he created or blends. Um, there's some thought that they may actually be multiple different uh, blends available under the Kellner brand. Uh, well, brand, I should say band. I don't really think it's uh, a distributed product at all. Um, but that it was essentially a series of custom blends that Hanky made for himself and uh, to suit his own taste. So the ones that I had had previously were all Corona Gordas. These are Robustos, I think, uh, just about regular Robustos, perhaps Hermoso's number four, slightly longer, slightly thinner. Um but I am really looking forward to it. These are the first Kellners that I've had in my possession in four years. And um, I, I hope amongst hopes that they're 
the same blend that I had had last time because that blend is up there in the top five non-Cuban cigars I've uh, probably top five cigars I've ever had in my life. I loved them without question. Loved them. So I'll see if I can find my published review that I did way back when, and uh, also see if Kip and I can track down some uh, real hard information rather than just uh, conjecture. So it'll be a fun one for sure. You'll want to tune in next week as we do um, our second Friday of the month live review, live show. Cool. Well, folks, uh, thanks for listening once again for episode 60, if you can believe it or not. We've uh, managed to stay on the air for this amount of time. Uh, mainly because the hosting space is paid for and there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> <laughs> like always, you can find us streaming uh, once again at halfash.com. we got that all functional and uh, working properly, I believe. And as always on cigarfederation.com, uh, each of those sites will have some kind of logo, picture, image, flashing sign, whatever, uh, posted up a few hours before the show each week on Friday at... Um, it tells you <clears throat> after 9.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll be streaming live. Um, of course, always want to check out halfash.com. <clears throat> Hit the uh, forum there. I'm trying to get that a little more active. Use that to uh, to communicate with us. Uh, or you can, if you need something that's maybe not want to, you don't want to post it on the forum, you can email us to kip at thecigarmy.com or craig at thecigarmy.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, all that information's at half Uh Also, swing by, check out thecigarmy.com. Uh, tend to post up a little more in the way of news and reviews and other uh, ephemera from the world of cigars. And uh, I think that's about it. You got a defecation tonight? <laughs> a defecation or a dedication? <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> um, well, I do, and... Uh... It seems as if we've been on a bit of a somber note with these dedications over the past few uh, weeks and maybe even a bit more. But tonight is uh, a bit of a continuation on that. My little niece, um, a young little girl, no more than four years old. I think she I think she just turned four. Um, she's uh, going through some troubles right now, having an infection actually in her face um, started around her mandible and it spread and so it required surgery to extract the infection so tonight's gonna tonight's show is going out to Rachel and Rachel's parents Joel and Joy who I know uh, are dealing with something that is otherworldly I can't even imagine the the fear and the sadness and the I'm sure guilt that a parent feels when their child is uh, going through a tough time, a really tough time. So tonight for me goes out to the three of them especially and hope that if there's any bit of strength that I can pass along to them that they might be able to receive it because I know that they'll need it. So so to them, without question, I want to send this show and uh, also want to say thank you to everybody who's listening who continues to do so and plans to do so in the future. We do this show not just for our own enjoyment, but because hopefully it puts a smile on other people's faces too. Uh, we really do appreciate you spending some time with us wherever you are and whenever that is. And want to say thank you again. So good night, everybody, from all of us to all of you. Thanks for listening.